to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we are beginning Nerd Advent. Woohoo! Yes, Sammy. Nerd Advent Week 1. Week 1 of Advent talks about hope. I know Sammy's really hoping that we buy this as a Christmas movie. That's right. And you know, I know this is a time of the year it takes place. This is a time of year of giving. So, Sam, I'm going to give it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll say this is a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> tell, us, tell us what we're talking about. All right. Travel back for a moment to 1989. Batmania swept the country. Everybody had a Batman t-shirt. Three years later, 1992, we got the sequel. And in perfect nerds tradition, we're reviewing the sequel, Batman Returns, instead of Batman 89. So uh, we are going to be looking at that Tim Burton classic. We'll have to discuss that. Uh, And it is Christmassy. Uh, Even HBO Max puts it on their Christmas list with Die Hard and Lethal Weapon. So it's a good company to be in. I rest my case. Well, after watching this movie for the first time in a long time, uh, you're not necessarily wrong. But before we delve into the return of the Batman, let's keep it 100, guys. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. I am first out of the gate, and despite the fact that Dwayne did the full count thing, I did not get my time ready. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to address this in the pre-show meeting i, I have no excuses i'm sorry here we go and i'm tired of getting those board, those letters from the board of directors all right so my keeping ahead of this week is the next stage in my mcu rewatch and i have finally reached my least favorite mcu movie or so i thought thor the dark world I have long thrown shade at this movie. I have given it a very hard time. I have um, (laughs) made lots of little snide remarks. So uh, this was probably the movie in the entire rewatch I was least excited to get to. But, you know, I'm (laughs) your typical OCD nerd. I'm a completionist. I'm going to watch it, not skipping it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to be real with you. It's not awesome. Uh, But it doesn't stink. I I don't hate it the way I thought I was going to. The plot isn't that good or all that interesting. Um, I'm fairly certain it doesn't make any sense. They completely and totally waste Christopher Eccleston. But the rest of the cast is so good. Hemsworth is an amazing Thor. And he's his typical, he's, he's Thor. He's doing his Hemsworth thing. Uh, Natalie Portman has amazing chemistry with him. Chris O'Dowd is in the movie for an amazing hot minute. Um, uh, this is peak Selvig. This is my favorite Selvig, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. Darcy and Ian are even fun. The intern with an intern. Uh, Tom Hiddleston is Tom Hiddleston. It's, it's good. Uh, I don't love this movie, but I've revised my personal grade upward, and I think other people will too. If you're like me and, you, and you've sort of avoided you know, encountering this movie again, I recommend give it another chance. Um, it's better than you remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie does not deserve the show that it gets. No, and I do agree completely, Jamie. Casting Christopher Eccleston as 
Malekith should have been amazing, but he was underused big time. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Entirely. Entirely. But and nothing involving the ether makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I still stand by that. And then it becomes an infinity stone. <laughs> <laughs> Which also makes no sense. <laughs> anyway. Right. At least right, in this movie, good. they didn't dye his eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a thing. <laughs> this is the movie they get in here right, though. This is the, the first movie that doesn't look awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this yeah. is the first movie where Thor worked on screen. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, guys. My Keeping It 100 is a classic. A book... From the t- about the time that pirates and tall ships sailed the seas. A book about pirates and tall ships sailing the seas. Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island is a lot of our introductions into, you know, really fantasy storytelling, adventure storytelling. Um, I remember being assigned this in middle school and falling in love with adventure storytelling. This was like my first foray, foray into... I guess, kind of a, a novel setting from comics and, and really short stories. Um, you have Long John Silver. You have such colorful characters, uh, Black Dog, Blind Pew, my personal favorite, Israel Hands. And then who can forget the trio of Tom, Dick, and George? You know, uh, <laughs> young Master uh, Hawkins, uh, mm-hmm. Squire Trelawney, Dr. Livesey, uh, just so well done and well told uh, by a masterful writer uh, in, a, in a classic book that deserves a revisit if you haven't in a long time. And I will tell you, Audible has it for free right now. It won't even cost you a credit to listen to. So Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. That's a childhood favorite of, as, of you know, asthmatic Jamie. I, I, had a, <laughs> I had a well-read hardback version of that that mm-hmm. I, I loved. Yeah, yeah, I still have mine on the shelf. Yeah, I still have mine on the shelf from uh, from that assignment, uh, and uh, it stuck. A few years ago, I was doing a reread on a, some of the classics, um, and I and that was the one that stood out. I could not get through Moby Dick, but uh, Treasure Island I enjoyed. So <laughs> I I have started Moby Dick probably a half dozen times. I have yep. never finished it. <laughs> yep, I just I don't know. I couldn't do it. But uh, Treasure Island I I I couldn't put down. I I, I loved it. So, it started me on a kick. Uh, I love Treasure Island so much. I ended up reading like Kidnapped by him, and then I went on to Captain's <laughs> Courageous by Rudyard Kipling. I, I, I went down a you know dudes on boats <laughs> journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's so fun and it's such a brisk, uh, adventurous read. You mm. know, is that's the thing. Yeah, it's it's great. Great, awesome, good one. All right, so I guess I'm rounding out our keeping in one hundred, and I'll start my timer. I'm sure I've probably pitched this series before, but if you have been sleeping on Star Trek Discovery, you need to watch season three. Um, This has been some of the most interesting Trek I've ever watched. Uh, The first two seasons were good. All right, wake up, guys. The first two seasons were really good, but they were really a lot of history and canon. Disco, not STD, Jake. Jamie and Dwayne um, was for is basically forging a new path. They're 900 years into the future. 
So it's a do world. And this is such an ensemble show. Um, Disco really explores the ramifications of, of how the crew deals in a future time when everything they know has been upended. So it's it's really an interesting premise beyond just your main characters. Um, it's somewhere a little past mid-season now, uh, so it's a great time to catch up. So if, like I said, if you have not been watching Star Trek Discovery because you didn't want Spock recast or any of that stuff, season three is definitely a good one to go with. And so that's why it's my keeping it 100. There's a third Spock on that show? <laughs> yes. I didn't season even know two. that. <laughs> yeah. They recast Spock well. Because, see, the first two seasons take place in TOS timeline. And so this is uh, Captain Pike. His enterprise comes to meet the Discovery, and you get younger, young rebel Spock with a beard. So. <laughs> oh, so you get the the mirror verse Spock. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it was it was interesting. So, but uh, <laughs> season three is its own thing, and it's kind of cool. I'm afraid that's Agents of Steel territory for me. I don't think I'm ever going to invest the time in those. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part of me that finds them appealing. I'm probably never going to spend that time. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm with Jamie there. But, uh, you know, we, 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 it seems like we have some strong thoughts on Star Trek and, and some other uh, fandoms there. But uh, this is the time of the show when we get into our thoughts and grades about the movie we're actually going to talk about. Uh, 1992, uh, as we said before, Batman Returns, directed by Tim Burton, starring Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'm going first here. You are, uh, sir. <clears throat> yeah, I this missed this up. I'm sorry, guys. Is, I, just, I just realized I missed up the order on the, on the thing. It's fine. <laughs> this is a Tim Burton prime. Um, you know, very stylistic, very dark, very moody, and absurd in places. Um, you know, you have the origin of the penguin. You have the penguin coming to light, uh, beginning his criminal career by running for mayor. And what a great way to start a political career. Then running for a political office. You know, if you're going to rob the people, Rob them to their face. Um, but uh, this movie was a ton of fun to watch. I had forgotten how much fun it was. I know the Burton movies kind of get a get a bad rap for being silly and dark and not really having a lot in between. But uh, I, th I think that they deserve more of a watch. That this, I'm going to give this a B. It's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's going with a solid B there. Okay. You know, um, as far as me, you know, I've said this in the past. I watch Batman Returns. Usually, I try to watch it at least at Christmas. It's one of the two big Batman things I watch at Christmas. Um, Batman Returns and then the Batman animated series episode Christmas with the Joker. Always watch those two. But um, this is one of those movies that, like we've talked about, I was there opening weekend. Remember, I was a DC nerd even then. Uh, so I had to go see this. And the thing with Batman Returns, you know, everybody gives Joel Schumacher down the road for his two movies. But that campiness starts here. Burton starts it right here. 
Um, this movie fits right in between the dark, broody bat we get in 89 and the colorful escapades of Batman and Robin for Schumacher, right? Um, so it's kind of this mix-up of gothic Tim Burton with Batman 66. But instead of a kid-friendly romp with West and Ward, um, audience get a much more adult movies in many ways. Um, there's aspects of the movies I lo- of this movie I love, but there's other things that really make me cringe. So this is one of those things that's weird. I'm going a little lower than Dwayne. I'm going B minus. <laughs> well, I, I'm not going to fake the funk, guys. I don't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it has some moments, um, but I don't like it. The first movie, they had kind of put some like restraints on Burton. You don't get the full Burton in the first one. And it's okay. I don't love 89 like a lot of, a lot of people do. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm just okay with it. It's, it's, it's fine. Um, I can rewatch it. It's okay. Um, but this is the full Burton. And it's just, it's not for me. I'm not a Tim Burton fan. Um, if it says Tim, directed by Tim Burton on it, I'm just, I'm not watching it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't enjoy the, the guy. He's a talented guy. I can, I can recognize that. I don't enjoy his work. Um, I'm still kind of waffling on my grade on how low I want to go. I think I'm going to settle on a C minus. Um, I, I don't like this movie, guys. <laughs> well, and not every movie you're going to like. And Tim Burton is a director that you have to almost take in doses because uh-huh. uh, he can be a little much with the with the moodiness and the and the absurdities that he puts out there. If Tim, if Tim Burton's a vaccine, how about anti vaxxer <laughs> <laughs> well, we've uh, we've we've got through some uh, some opening thoughts there, and uh, it seems like there are quite a few thoughts about this movie. Um, of all of the crud and pollution in Gotham, there, I really hope there are some exhaust fans. Graphically novel: Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics. As we go into our fan section, Sammy, why don't you lead us off? All right. You know, I think that there's a lot of, of good in this movie depending on what you want. Now, there's a lot, as Jamie said, that's not that great. But one of the things I'm big, the biggest fan of is Gotham City itself. You know, in Batman 89, we had Anton first doing a lot of the designs for Gotham. So you had a lot of that Gothic style architecture. With Batman Returns, first is out and we get Bo Welch. And it's almost this mashup with still a little bit of Gothic, but some art deco. And I think Gotham, in terms of Batman, needs to look distinctive. It mm-hmm. shouldn't look like Chicago, Christopher Nolan, but it should be its own thing. Okay. Oh, you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to throw fuel in that fire. I knew. <laughs> I'm dropping that bomb now. But, um, but Gotham feels right here. You know, I like the way it looks. Um, and like I said, it should be distinct. And I think that Batman Returns does get that correct. So, yeah. 
Alright. <laughs> that may come up again later. I've got him speechless at this point. In a whole different section. Uh, my, my fan for this movie is probably the only thing I actually like. It's the dynamic between Catwoman and Batman and the dynamic between Selena and Bruce because it's two different relationships. Mm-hmm. Between mm-hmm. Two very, Entirely. Between two very not normal people. Um, shockingly, they have good chemistry with each other. I would not have predicted that Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer would actually have good chemistry. They seem like very different people with very different acting styles and backgrounds. And I, I wouldn't have predicted that, but they're, they're good together. Um, and I love the way Keaton plays just absolutely smitten anytime Selena's around. Um, I, I enjoy that. Like, he kind of loses his train of thought. He stops being cool and suave. Uh, the guy who's got everything planned out to the nines can't think past, like, you know, his next thought when she's in the room with him. I enjoy that. Um, okay, that's about it. I'm, that's all I got, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they did have great chemistry, and, uh, you know, DC was really hitting out of the park with these movies um, in in the 80s and 90s, you know, with Superman and and Batmans. Uh, They're really struggling with the movies uh, in the 2000s, but uh, I love the colorful villains that uh, that you have in in these uh, Batman movies, especially uh, with... You know, starting with uh, the Joker by Jack Nicholson, but the Penguin is so animated by Danny DeVito. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, he's just so out there, and he has a troop of clowns and penguins following him around. You know this, and the characters who played the, the clowns. Uh, you know, we have Doug Jones, phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. You have also. Fat clown, <laughs> slim clown, scary clown, you know, fire-breathing clown, sword-swallowing clown, clown lady with dog. That, I, I mean, just any time the clowns were wreaking havoc, I, there was a smile on my face. Um, and their interactions, how they draw DeVito back sometimes when he's going crazy. I mean, when you have this group of absurd clowns, that's having to rein you in, you know your villains where he needs to be. <laughs> so that's that's my fan. And you know, the only thing those clowns were short to be Batman 66 were shirts that said Clown 1, Clown 2, <laughs> Clown 3. <laughs> Honestly. And, and, and by the way, you were mentioning this penguin running for mayor. Burgess Meredith's penguin ran for mayor of Gotham also in Batman 66. Oh, really? That's the thing I missed. Yep. That's great. Well, you know, we, there is something that the penguin really could have used. When he was eating that raw fish, he <laughs> really could have used a pan to cook that thing in. I think we've got some pans for this movie. All righty, Jamie. Uh, Mr. C minus. I'm have so it. glad Jamie's leading off on pans. <laughs> I, I, I just want to know how you like boiled it down to what is the one thing I dislike the most? <laughs> I had so many options. Uh, that fish scene by itself could be it. <laughs> That's yeah. just so disgusting. He filleted that sucker. <laughs> um, so my, my biggest pain, I think the biggest problem with this movie, other than Tim Burton directing it, 
Um, well, this movie was titled Batman Returns, and it should have been Batman Cameos. Um, he's barely in this movie. I mean, this yeah. is a Penguin movie. This is a Catwoman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Keaton's a good Batman. Um, it's a, I mean, Burton does a pretty good job with Batman. I, I like this Batman, even though he blows people up and kills lots of people. Um, but, I, but he's just not in this movie. <laughs> There's so little of Keaton on. I mean, he's good when he's on when he's on in front of the camera. There's almost none of him though. Um, and I think that's a tremendous flaw in this movie. He's the best thing they've got going for him, and he just a huge swaths of this movie. There's no Keaton. So that, that's that's the biggest pain. I think it's the biggest problem with the movie. Well, you you the, what it was they left off the ancillary title in the next movie, <laughs> Batman Returns in the next movie. So <laughs> they for they forgot the parenthetical part of the title in the yeah, uh, printing exactly, there. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, must have been <laughs> because yeah he he's not in it a lot. Okay, uh, I, I'm just gonna say this. Um, I, I'm not gonna belabor the point. That both of your guys' fans were my backup fans. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like the villain. And I don't like the look of this movie. <laughs> oh, well, uh, my pen is uh, does have to do with the villain. Christopher Walken, phenomenal actor, insane personality. He's gonna devote to whatever you give him. Look at that hair. He did already a bit. But they, I, I feel like he was very underused as a villain in this movie. He he could have been a lot more menacing. He could have been a lot more creepy, even though he was pretty creepy. But he just seemed almost like a goof trying to, I don't know what he was trying to do, build a power plant for whatever reason. Did, did it, was it ever clear why, why he was trying to build a power plant? It's Aside from just... Power. Just to have to, unlimited power to soften energy. I mean, I guess I guess he was <laughs> for whatever Palpatine. purpose. <laughs> you know, I guess he was just with Palpatine there. Unlimited power. You know, maybe uh, that's what it was. He was building his own Death Star, and he needed the power from Gotham City. To work. Yeah, yeah, but Christopher Walken was really underused, and I, I'm not familiar. You know, I know we talked about it earlier. I'm really not super familiar with the comics, so I don't know how he, you know, that character was portrayed in the books, if he was even in the books at all. But um, yeah, he, he was really, really underused, I thought. A movie has never hit us more differently. Christopher Walken as Matt Trek was my backup fan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he played, the char- he played the character great, but I just don't think he was used enough. I mean, when he was on screen, he was great, but they just didn't do enough with him. Well, I think that's that's, that's what's what my happens. pain. I would have liked to see any more. I think that's what happens though in a lot of these movies. You get too many villains, and I think that's what happens even in the next two Schumacher movies. Uh, you just get too much going on, and you can't fully flesh out anyone. Right. So, except for one character, which leads me to my pan. My biggest pan of this movie is the penguin in general. I do not like this version of Oswald Cobblepot, okay? Um, And I think what it is, is I've always loved Penguin in the comics, and this is such a departure from that character. Um, You know, 
Burgess Meredith Penguins was this dapper kind of fellow, right? I mean, he had his trademark waddle and his wah, 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 laugh. And, you know, we, we all know those types of things. But Penguin in the comics, I mean, he was literally a crime boss. Um, I mean, he was running mm. the Iceberg Lounge. He was, you know, I mean, he was a mobster. And, and this does not fit. Um, to me, this Penguin is definitely a Tim Burton creation. This looks like something of Tim Burton's that would have come out of one of his movies, Edward Scissorhands, Ed Wood, something to that effect. Um, but I did not like the Burton twist on Penguin. Um, I think he was rude. He was crude. Um, and I just did not like that portrayal. And and that's not knocking Danny DeVito. You know, he's great in twins, but, you know, I mean... <laughs> We finally agreed on something. That <laughs> <laughs> he was great in twins. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this, this this is very interesting because we we have some very disparate views on this movie, and I can't wait to see how our awards section pans out. So let's go ahead and run there. All right, I'm leading off with best performance. Well, now, not being a comic fan, I guess, left me enough room to feel this way about this performance. I loved Danny DeVito's performance. <laughs> I mean, he is insane. He's committing. He's just, just colorful. He's coming up with the quips. He's just, you know, so off the wall. Um, I, I really dug it. I really liked it. I, I wasn't quite sure what he was doing all the time, but he was always doing something. Nobody is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'll jump in next. I know we're going to disagree on the next one because uh, Dwayne has made his feelings very, uh, <laughs> very clear about this person's acting abilities. I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was awesome in this movie. Um, and I, I, she, I mean, she's probably not like an Academy Award winning actress. She probably doesn't have those that level of chops. She's very good in this movie. Like in the in the beginning when she's sort of the stereotypical mousy, insecure, lacking confidence secretary type person, she nails that. Um, she she's still got that whole like I'm you know just wearing glasses and everybody's supposed to pretend I'm not cute or whatever thing going on. But you know, I mean she she pulls off that that type character. And then after the whatever happens in that alley. Um, the, the moments where she's Selena and she's confused and she's sort of like trying to figure out who she is and what's going on. She's not quite Catwoman all the time, but she's not really old Selena anymore. So there's all these different levels of Selena Kyle that she's being. And I think she nails them all. I mean, her Catwoman's, it's a bit much. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. But, it's, but it's, it's three different performances in one movie. And I feel like she does them all very believably. Oh, Michelle Pfeiffer, my best performance. Sorry, Dwayne. I like, I, I like it. I like it. And if you're wondering what happened in the alley, okay, you need to watch Halle Berry's Catwoman. That explains it. So we've got Wikipedia for that. I watched that movie. Yeah, you can you can tell us about it later, Sam. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it, I'm, I'm glad I don't reach onto your shelf. I don't want to know if you own that. You know, I own it. <laughs> It has a D and a C on the on the <laughs> spine. You know I own it. 
Um, <laughs> and it's on the other side of the room. I can't just wheel to that one. Um, but so uh, I went with Michael Keaton. I do agree with Jamie that he's not in the movie as much as he should be, considering, you know, he's Batman. Uh, but I think this, the performance we get here is a little different from Batman 89. Um, he feels more like a, a more well-rounded Bruce Batman character. He's not the overly brooding. You don't get the shots of Bruce looking at the bat signal sternly with like half light and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he does banter well. I love that banter with Selena, the banter with Alfred. Um, and I just think it works really well. And I think part of the reason is he feels like super friends, Batman with a nineties update. Uh, and so I, I just wanted to see him laugh at the end of a scene. So, but yeah, I, I liked Michael Keaton as Batman in this one. Or you're up first uh, on our best scenes. All right. You know, well, we've we've all come, well, Jamie and I at least have talked about this chemistry between uh, <laughs> Michael Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer, and the scene at the mask ball is probably one of my favorites. And you know, it, it's it's the fact that they're the only ones not in costume. And they even make a reference to it. Well, you know, you know, we're just tired of always wearing masks. And then the moment where they realize each other's identities. What, what, what are we supposed to do now? Fight? You know, I love that scene because it, it starts one way and it twists in a different kind of direction. And I just really, really liked it. All right. Um. This is not a scene that makes sense. It's not a scene where I don't, I don't necessarily understand what's going on with the characters. It's just a scene I enjoy. I enjoy watching Selena tear up her own apartment. I, I don't know why she's suddenly this different person. I don't know how she's alive again. I don't know if she's transforming or something. In that scene. I don't know what's going on. It's just fun to watch her tear that place apart. And all the stuff that's going on. I mean, her body language, her face, all of it, it's just entertaining. Probably not logical, just entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, so it, so in the suit made her feel yummy, so. <laughs> well, this is a Tim Burton movie, and not everything makes sense, which leads to my favorite scene. Um, <clears throat> much like the Bat Signal Relay at the beginning that uh, shines from the side into, and he goes, the, the mirror flips and the light turns on and it shines to his wall and he stands dramatically and looks at it. <clears throat> the, my favorite scene is when the penguin is taken over the Batmobile <laughs> and he's in the little coin car, just yep. going insane rocking back and forth you know and, and carrying on uh, batman's trying to get control of the car again but that uh, that just cracked me up and i was like okay this is makes perfect sense along with the rest of the movie you know <laughs> because nothing makes sense it certainly did <laughs> but it was fun you know it was it was fun i i really enjoyed the, the penguin that just just tearing up jack as it uh, taking over the batmobile yeah that was a good one it was <laughs> a brief highlight in this dark disaster of a movie 
Do you ever question, though, you know, they lifted the hood to put that device in, but then when we see it, it's in the main bottom. It's of on the, the bottom. <laughs> Maybe there were two. Maybe Scrappy the Wonder Poodle stuck underneath the bottom. <laughs> that is what you call 80s and early 90s continuity. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> I think it's just a Tim Burton movie. Um, <laughs> don't worry about it. Um, so the next award is best character, and I'm going first. And mine is Batman. Um, I love Batman. I'm a Marvel guy, but I've got this weird little pocket of love for Batman. Um, he's he's too good for DC. They should sell him to Marvel. Um, we should get some mouse bucks and go get him. But Disney will own it all soon. Yeah, give it time. That's like AT and T wants it. Um, <laughs> yep. So Batman's the he's the best character. He's the best thing I've got going for him. He's completely underused. He's barely in this movie, but whenever he's on scene. Um, and I agree with Sammy. They, he's more human in this movie. I mean, the, the, you know, Bruce, I, he's, I understand his emotions better in this movie than in 89. Um, and I, I, like, I like his interactions with Alfred better in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's just barely any of them. But I, I like whenever Keaton's in front of the camera, this movie is palatable, at least. <laughs> <laughs> well... Jamie, you've uh, hit the nail on the head as far as best character goes. Uh, Michael Keaton's portrayal of Batman. And simply, I'm going to summarize mine this way. A dear friend of mine uh, has an office where he works, and in that office hangs a sign. And on that sign hangs a mask. The sign reads, always be yourself, unless you can be Batman. (laughs) Then be Batman. I, I believe I closed out a fifth grade graduation with that at one point. <laughs> <laughs> there was one year I ended with be excellent to each other. And then there was one that I ended with uh, be Batman. So, <laughs> um, you know, I agree guys, you know, I gave my, my best performance to Keaton. So I always have to go Oscar rules for me. Right. But I went, to a different character. I went to Alfred Pennyworth. I love Michael Goh's portrayal of Alfred, and he is the only thing that remains consistent in all four movies, the two Burtons and the two Schumachers. And I love that, that they bring that character all the way through. Even though Batman changes, everything changes, you still got Alfred. And Michael Goh is just such a classic actor. Um, he has such this dry sense of humor, and it works so well in a movie like this. Um, you know, I also have to throw in my love for Go because of Doctor Who. Um, he was the celestial toy maker in 1966 uh, in the first Doctor's run. So, uh, yeah, it's great to see an actor show back up like that. And so I liked Michael Go as Alfred. Yeah, that was, uh, he was, uh, I was glad to see him doing stuff. Sometimes uh, you don't, but I was glad to see that. I, I do miss a little bit of the uh, Alfred as stepdad mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. We don't, it feels like he's just, there's not yeah. a lot of that in the, in the, in the Go performance. Yeah, they don't, they don't play up the, the almost like father-son relationship that, that you get with um, Michael Caine and, and those types of things in the Nolan films. But uh, I do think, you know, and, and I think that works. 
but you know th- this plays i guess more to maybe the comics at the time you know they've really played that that father figure up i think later on a bit more Well, in a movie with so many quotes and so many inappropriate quotes that I almost <laughs> chose, um, and you don't really pick up on a lot of them unless you have the subtitles on. Like, I watched a lot of movies with subtitles, and as I was reading, I was like, oh, whoa, oh, they said that there. Okay. Um, I, my quote uh, comes to one of the penguins. More socially acceptable quotes. Um, he says, I believe the word you're looking for is. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. All right. I was down to two quotes and, and I was having a hard time with it. Um, but after our, our discussion of me talking about Alfred, I think I'm going to go with that one. I love the exchange between Bruce and Alfred when Alfred says something about security and Bruce is like, security, who led Vicky Vela to the Batcave? I'm sitting there working. I turn around and there she is. Oh, hi, Vic. Come on in. (laughs) (laughs) I just loved that. Yeah, that was good. It cracked me up. And, but again, that's that dynamic between, you know, Keaton and Go that I think worked well for me. Uh, well, both of my quotes, I had, I had a quote and a backup, and they've both been taken. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, the, I, I love the interaction between Alfred and Batman there. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, that, I, I think that's, that's a Bruce we didn't get in the first movie. Um, but I, really, I really like that relationship there. My other, my other quote I had was, the, uh, was from the costume party. The, <laughs> like when they, re- when they realize that they're, that they're both Batman and Catwoman, and she, she just goes, oh, my God, does this mean we have to start fighting? And then he says, let's go outside. <laughs> so I th- those were the two I was leaning toward. I, I like them both. I, I, I'm not going to go with another one. The rest of them are inappropriate. They're full of innuendo. <laughs> you know, th- there was one that stuck out to me, but I got a kick out of it, is when Selena first meets Batman. And she goes, wow, the Batman. Or is it just Batman? It's your choice, of course. Just because you get that all the time. Is it the Batman or is it Batman? You know, and it, it kind of plays throughout comic history. So it cracked me up. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Well, now this brings us to our episode specific awards uh, that Jamie always uh, does wonderful on. And with this Not being, this a, <laughs> well, with this being a Tim Burton uh, movie, uh, the best or most Tim Burton moment in this movie? Sammy? I, I, I think for sure the, the, the most Tim Burton moment is when the Red Triangle Circus gang is attacking the citizens of Gotham. They're coming out of presence. They're, I mean, it looks like a scene from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Even the designs on the characters, the skull cycle riders, the organ grinder. I mean, any of those characters could have been in The Nightmare Before Christmas and, and totally would have fit. 
Uh, I just I, I thought for sure Oogity Boogity was going to probably come out of one of those boxes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, just just truly, I mean that that whole gang, but especially that scene, I think felt very Tim Burton. You mean Oogity Boogity is not a Batman villain? No, <laughs> I thought for sure. I thought for Oogity, sure there. Oogity I don't like Boogity that movie either. He's everybody's <laughs> villain because he tried to steal Santa. He tried to steal Santa Claus. <laughs> Santa Claus. I've got one that I, I can't. I don't even know what he was trying to say. Like I don't I don't understand what was supposed to be happening. It's it's Selena's resurrection resurrection by cat saliva. I what was that supposed to be? <laughs> I don't. I, it's just weird, and I don't like it. I don't. I'm what was supposed you, to be happening in that alley? I'm telling you, Wiki, Wikipedia, if you don't want to watch uh, Halle Berry's Catwoman, but, you know, it explains it all. No, ma. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that makes sense in the whole movie. I don't okay. even know if I want to read about that movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, my, my, my most f- moment that reminded me of Tim Burton was... The the baby penguin at the beginning, you know, went from from the birth to when they drop him in the the river and he has his uh, Moses moment, uh, traveling through the sewer. Uh, you know, you have Paul Rubens <laughs> and and the other lady who was like a you know proto Helena Bonham Carter uh, before he discovered her really, uh, just kind of acting cold and disconnected. You know, so highly stylized. Uh, the 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 pram, uh, the bassinet. You know, is caged. Uh, they got the baby in the cage. He kills the cat. Uh, you 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 barely see the little flippered clawed hand. Uh, it's just you know, it's just one of those things that yep, that's 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 a Burton thing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Oh, and did you notice though? Hanging off the cage was a rubber ducky. Mm-hmm. So, so that makes sense that he would have the little rubber the ducky vehicle. Ducky. Yeah, because it's the only toy he had as a child. Feel sympathy for Penguin. Like a fat cat for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> if only he would have spit out a bone. <laughs> or a hairball. <laughs> Well, the last award is one I couldn't figure out how to word, and I'm sorry, guys. Uh, the best weirdo slash interesting thing slash person in the background. The whole idea here was, I'm going to explain it for the listeners because I didn't explain it adequately to my co-hosts. <laughs> um, this movie is, there's as much going on in the background as there is in the foreground. And I found it, um, <laughs> maybe I didn't want to look at the foreground. But I found myself distracted by all of the stuff that was going on, sort of around the action of the movie. Um, and so that's why, I mean, I, I guess maybe it was just me, I don't know. But the circus gang itself, I just, I couldn't stop watching them. Because um, they were in a lot of scenes, and they were never just kind of standing around idly. Like, they were always kind of doing something. And it was always <laughs> weird and strange and interesting. And once I recognized a few of the actors in the gang... Like, especially Doug Jones. I was like, that's Doug Jones. What's he doing? And he was always doing something strange. So I could, I just, I was permanently distracted by the, was it the Red Triangle Gang? Yeah. Yeah. That's their name? Yeah. I just, anytime they were in the background, I was watching them, probably because I didn't want to look at the penguin, but I was watching them. 
I like it. They're they're an interesting bunch, that's for sure. All right. Um, you know, as far as mine, and I'll admit, I wasn't sure what Jamie was going for here, as we discussed it in, in pre-show. Um, so I can swerve a little bit. I do think it's interesting that the number of scenes that you saw where Penguin and the, and the even the the Red Triangle Gang were in the foreground, things were happening, but you always had these penguins. There were always these little penguins doing things around, you know, and, and the ones with the little little hats and the missiles. I mean, things like, that. <laughs> or just waddling along, you know. The big emperor penguins were the weirdest, but, you know, but, uh, yeah, but I think the little penguins were, were, were pretty funny as far as in the backgrounds. Yeah, <clears throat> there was a lot going on in this movie. It's, it's, it's a very deep movie as far as what's happening in each scene. You know, there's, there's a lot going on there. One thing that really grabbed me almost every time we had an exterior of Gotham, there's this round head that's just in the corner of the scene. And it's in like, like I said, every time there's an exterior scene, it's just there somewhere in the scene. It's almost always there. Can somebody tell me what the heck is up with that head? <laughs> I've got a theory. Okay. Okay. I think it the because when when we first see the Shrek building, that head, I know the one you're talking about, it's on top of the Shrek building. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that maybe like Bert was trying to tell us that Shrek is basically owning Gotham. He's sponsoring everything. So that's why that head keeps showing up. He's Shrek, showing up Shrek's everywhere. got his fingers in everything. Right. Yeah, that, that really distracted me. And it wasn't explained. I'm like, are we at the same place? You know, just at a different angle? Is it a is it a but what is it? Is it a clock? Is it a a statue is it a lot? Is it a? Isn't there a smaller version at the uh, tree lighting too? Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. I mean, it's everywhere. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's like it, Santa Claus. It's, it's like, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> I guess it's kind of like a Metropolis has has Luthor's name on everything. So, <laughs> I guess Shrek was the the Luthor of this set. So, well, you know, an actor we always look for it to a return of with his character, Bill from Bill and Ted. Hopefully we're going to be having a return of Neo from the matrix. We know John wick always comes back. Keanu Reeves is not in this movie, but I'm sure there's a connection in Batman returns. Jamie, what is that Keanu connection? Glad Keanu wasn't in this movie, would have derailed his career. <laughs> <laughs> well, this week's Keanu connection has been involved with a ton of movies that people know. And I think from conversations we've had, we've seen probably 50 movies this guy has worked on. Um, sometimes as an actor, sometimes just behind the scenes. And so here's a sampling of the amazing projects and the incredible career this, this man has had. Here's just a sample. And you're going to see how long this career has went on. Uh, Venom, Predator 1 and 2, Bad Boys 1 and 2, Ant-Man and the Wasp, 
Walker, Texas Ranger, Blade, Jurassic Park, The Lost World, <laughs> Double Dragon, Star Trek, The Next Generation, Last Action Hero, Lethal Weapon 3 and 4, Roadhouse, The A-Team, The, Scarface, Chinatown, Ford V Ferrari, uh, The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, hold on, I lost my place. <laughs> There's so many. Captain America Civil War, Batman v Superman, every single Fast and the Furious movie, The Rock, Seven, Die Hard, and Lynch's Doom. This man's name is Henry Kingy. Uh, he, do, he does small bit parts or he does lots and lots of stunts and lots and lots of stunt driving. In this movie, he plays the mugger. <laughs> <laughs> But in 2003, he was the stunt driver in Matrix Reloaded and that big, long freeway chase that we all love. Mm -hmm. And then in 2005, he did stunts for Constantine. And then in 2008, he did stunts in Street Kings, all starring our beloved Keanu. Henry Kingy is this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> That's wonderful. Nice. I'll, I knew every one of those movies but I had honestly forgotten Double Dragon. <laughs> when you said Double Dragon, I said, that was a thing, wasn't it? Yes. But I that thought he was, was in that I had to include it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was a thing. Yeah, he's got, I think, 83 acting credits, and I think close to 300 stunt credits. Wow. Wow. But oh, he, yeah. he, he's been a stunt, stunt driver. I think he did stunt driving in Chinatown. And he did stunt driving in Ford V, Ford v Ferrari. Hmm. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and a lot of your stunt actors, I mean, they're such tough, awesome per people. You know, they, yeah. they, they are prolific. They're truly prolific. But if you think about how old he has to be now, I mean, he to be old enough to drive when they made Chinatown and still be doing stunt driving for Ford v Ferrari, that's a long, skilled career. Uh -huh. Yeah, very much Definitely. so. Definitely. Very much so. Well, speaking of a prolific and a long-skilled career, our next movie comes from a director that uh, we all know and love from the 80s. He brought us a ton of 80s classics. I'm talking about John Hughes. I'm talking about 1990. I'm talking about a little movie that introduced us to Macaulay Culkin as Kevin in Home Alone, a Christmas staple at uh, my house. Uh, we're going to be checking this thing out next week, seeing if Kevin can save the house from the wet bandits. Uh, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern with a wonderful cameo from John Candy in this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but Home Alone will be our next uh, review. And Jamie, as we're preparing for the holidays, as we're continuing our nerd advent, as we watch Home Alone, what are we going to do? We're going to try not to be the booby in the booby trap as we keep it nerd. <laughs> <laughs> 